Amen, 11 o'clock. Hey, real quick, before you sit down, there are so many people in this room who for the last 14 months have worked so hard to make this place feel like home. Can we make some noise right now for all of our volunteers, production team, worship, cafe, parking, setup, teardown. We love you all so, so, so much. Thank you for making this place feel like home. You guys can take a seat. You guys, we got to build a church in this place. Got to build a church. That's special. And if I think about that for too long, I'm going to get emotional and sentimental. And so we decided to spend the last two weeks that we have together in this space with a little mini-series called Sentimental. Are you a sentimental person? I don't think there's anything wrong with being sentimental. It just means that, that you care about something. The problem comes when we let our sentimentalism, which is a word that Tyler looked up backstage, get in the way of of the future that Jesus has for us. So we can get sentimental, we just can't stay sentimental because we're believing that God is just getting started in this place, that the best days are ahead of us, that the best days are ahead of you, and that we've got so much in front of us because we worship a God who years ago said this through the prophet Isaiah, he said, behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not see it? Bryce, you're going to test me. I knew it. I knew it. It says that now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God is doing a new thing in this place. So the question for this series is simply this. Are we going to let the past, or I'm sorry, are we going to let our past pull us backward Or are we going to honor the past and let it propel us forward? Does the past pull you back? Or does the past propel you forward? Anyone remember this guy? If you don't get this reference, you have one job to do this week. Go watch Napoleon Dynamite. Uncle Rico's life stopped in high school. High school football. (laughs) I know. He's a grown man now, but he can't stop talking about how if coach would have just put him in in the fourth quarter, they would have won state. A world full of opportunity stands in front of this man, but he can't see it. Why? Because the past is pulling him back. It's a brilliant character, but it's also kind of haunting because we all have a little Uncle Rico in us, don't we? In fact, sometimes in ministry, we're the worst. Uh, like for, for me, I got my start in ministry leading trips to Costa Rica and Costa Rica. And we would bring these teams down a week at a time and we would take them out to different churches and we would have all these amazing experiences. But over the years, I started to notice a pattern. I noticed that year two for high school kids was always the most difficult year. We called it the sophomore slump because in year two, Here's what would happen. From the moment we picked them up from the airport to the moment we dropped them off, what we would hear is, hey, last year, when you picked us up from the airport, we went and got ice cream after. Are we going to go do that again? Last year, on Tuesday night, we had this really powerful and profound worship experience. We're going to do that again, right? Last year, on Wednesday afternoon, we played soccer with all the kids. We're going to do that again, right? And it's like you get to the end of the week, and they're just exhausted. Because although God's been ready to do a new thing all week, 
They've been trying to hold on to the past. They've been trying to preserve the past. The past was pulling them backwards. Here's the image I always think about. Have you ever done a bungee run, right? Or you're strapped in, it doesn't matter how hard you try to go forward, it just pulls you back. Here's why I'm saying all this. In this space, lives have been changed, including mine. In this space, people have started following Jesus. In this space, wounds have been healed. In this space, freedom has been found. In this space, lifelong friendships have been formed. But can I tell you a secret? It never had anything to do with a building. It only ever had to do with a person, and his name is Jesus, and he's back from the dead. The tomb is empty, so Jesus is no longer confined by space or place or even time. So right now, Jesus is out ahead of us going, hey, Red Rocks Austin, I know it's been a great start, but I've got so much more for you. We're just getting started, and we got to go. So the point of these two weeks is to honor the past but not allow the past to pull us back. Instead, honor the past by allowing it to propel us forward. I simply titled this talk, We've Gotta Go. Turn to your neighbor and say, we gotta go. Turn to your other neighbor and say, gotta is not a word. <laughs> Who edits this guy's sermon? Nobody. Hey, I wanna show us, walk us through a, a story in Luke chapter nine about the disciples experiencing a similar moment to the, the moment we find ourselves as a church. So if you have your Bibles, turn over to Luke chapter 9. You guys excited to go through the roots this week? It's going to be good. We got to the end of it, and I say we because we have a whole team that, that puts this together. We got to the end of it. It's our third one, and we just feel like, man, we're finally like starting to find our groove here. This third one is, is it's really, really good. It's going to take you, as Doug said, all the way through the Old Testament, except for the wisdom literature from 30,000 feet. So I want to encourage you over the next 13 weeks, you can go through it with your group or just on your own. It's all self-paced. It's all free. You can get to it on our media page. If you have any questions, we have a table in the back after service. Luke chapter 9, we're going to start in verse 28. It says this, about eight days after Jesus said this, now, being the good Bible scholars that you all are, the first question that should be popping into your mind when you see a verse like this is, eight days after Jesus said what exactly, right? So, so if you back up in the Bible, the, the section before in my Bible says, uh, Jesus predicts his death. So, all throughout Jesus' life, like, he's got his 12 disciples and everything is going good. And then every once in a while he stops and he goes, by the way, we're going to Jerusalem and things are going to go really poorly for me and they're going to kill me. And his disciples would always be like, nah, that's okay, man. Like, don't, don't say things like that. Because, <laughs> hey, it's really easy to have a lot of swag when you got LeBron on your team, right? But the thought of Jesus leaving, all of a sudden all the disciples are like, hey, don't talk about change like that. We've got a good thing going right now. They wanted to reach back and freeze the past instead of allowing the past to propel them forward. So that's the thing in the air already as we jump into this story. So about eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James, his inner three disciples, with him, and he went up onto a mountain to pray. Common move for Jesus, had to get away from all the, the hustle 
and bustle. You've heard us talk about the Aramos a lot around here, the Greek word for the wilderness where Jesus spent a lot of time. He brings his boys up onto a mountain to pray and watch what happens. Verse 29, as he was praying, the appearance of his face changed. I'm going to read that again. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed, and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Now let's chat for a moment, because that's an odd verse. And by the way, at this church, there will always be room for you to have questions and for you to go, hey, some verses just trip me up. And I want to learn more about this. Like the gospel is big enough for your questions, right? We don't have to keep our head down and just pretend like everything's cool. We got all this and just move on. This is kind of a weird verse. So let me take a second and try to unpack it a little bit. They go up on this mountain and Jesus' appearance changes. Or in Mark's gospel, it says he was transfigured. You've probably heard this story referred to as, as the transfiguration. That word transfigured is the same Greek word that we use for transformed. Transformation is what following Jesus is all about. So like when Paul in Romans 12 goes, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. It's the same verb. What we're all in the business of is being transformed. Because salvation happens the moment we start following Jesus, but then we enter into a lifelong process called sanctification of being transformed, of learning to become more like Jesus. So one way to think about this is Jesus takes his boys up the mountain and he gives them a little sneak peek into the future. He gives them a little sneak peek of down the road, here's what transformation looks like. It's kind of like, have you ever been uh, watching a new Netflix series? And you're in season one, and you go to, to watch the next episode, but your roommate or your spouse or your kid is in, like, season seven of the same show, and they've been watching it, right? So you pull it up, and there's, like, all the thumbnails of, of season seven, and you're like, cool, Michael Scott leaves in season seven, and Jim and Pam are obviously married. Great. <laughs> Wish I could have just found that out as we go, but spoiler alert, right? Jesus is kind of showing them the end of the story here where he goes, hey, keep on it. Keep following me because the end of the road and transformation one day is this. This is where we are heading. Let me illustrate it with this story. A couple years ago, I was in Skid Row in, in Los Angeles, kind of a, a crazy part of town. And I was leading a, a little outreach um, with my friends from Project 54, and they um, had a brunch set up, so I was taking a group out to go invite people to, to this brunch on a Saturday morning. And there was another guy who wasn't a part of our group, but he was a photographer, and so he saw what we were doing, and he was like, hey, I'll, I'll jump in, and I'll come take some, some photos of you. So we're walking. His name's Evan. We, we start talking about life, and I start asking him questions. Um, turns out Evan and I grew up in the same town. Then it turns out that we went to high school, the same school. And then it turns out that he's only two years younger than me, or in other words, we went to high school together. And I go, wait, Evan, what's your last name? And he tells me, and I'm like, oh, I'm Ryan Weckerman. And we're like, oh, yeah. We were like buddies in high school, but we didn't recognize each other because we had both grown the beards out and it had been 10 years, and we changed, right? So we laugh about it. By the way, I have an even crazier story about that with, with Nick, but that's a story for another day. I'm saving it. Got to save it. 
Uh, so I start asking Evan about his life. And then he goes, well, Ryan, what about you? What have you been up to in the last 10 years? And I go, oh, well, I'm actually a, a pastor. I'm the one leading this, this whole outreach. Without skipping a beat, he goes, really? <laughs> and then I think he kind of realized that, that, he, uh, that, that was kind of mean, so he backs up. He's like, I mean, I didn't mean it like that. And I stopped him. And I go, no, you did mean it like that, and it's okay. Because if you would have told high school Ryan that 10 years from now he would be a pastor waking up early on a Saturday morning to go love some people, that Ryan would have laughed in your face. But then God grabbed a hold of my life. Slowly, everything started changing day by day, week by week, month by month. And so Evan's over here thinking that he insulted me, trying to back up. And I'm going, no, 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 you didn't insult me. That's like the greatest compliment of all time because what you're saying is the gospel worked. I've been transformed. I'm a new creation, so much so that this guy doesn't even recognize me anymore. This is what happens as we start following Jesus. The Holy Spirit begins to work in our lives and we become more peaceful, more loving, more, more joyful, more self-controlled and all the other fruit that I can never remember, right? We become, we start looking more like Jesus. By the way, I'm still a massive work in progress and I can't wait to continue down this road. I'm, uh, I'm turning 30 this week, and so uh, this is, thank you, thank you. That wasn't me fishing for compliments. Although coffee gift cards are, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Size 10 and a half shoes. Uh, so this is the last sermon that I'm going to give in my 20s. Talk about getting sentimental, right? Here's my hope, here's my prayer. I hope that somebody hears this sermon, watches it on YouTube or listens to the podcast, somebody, somebody far away, somebody in New York or wherever, they listen to it, they forget about Red Rocks for, for 10 years, and then 10 years from now, fast forward, I pray that they show up to our church and they see me give my last sermon in my 30s. And when they walk in and they see that, I hope they go, wait, what? I didn't even recognize you. You carried yourself with so much more love than you did 10 years ago. You talked about grace with so much more authority, like the gospel. It's like you understood it more than you did 10 years ago. I didn't even recognize you because that's the beauty of transformation. So back up to the mountain, Jesus is giving his boys a little glimpse, going, hey, here's what's coming for you. Keep going. Keep walking in step with the Spirit. Okay, the story's about to get even stranger. Verse 30, two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, if you are a young Jewish student, like Peter, John, and James, this is like the moment. This is the who's who. Right? This is like the most amazing experience that you could ever have. You're all of a sudden face to face with not only Jesus, but Moses and Elijah. Right? Like this is such a profound moment for Peter and the guys. And that's interesting because look what they try to do next. It says this. Uh, Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. They're tired, but they're like, hey, 
No, we, we can sleep later. We got Moses, we got Elijah, we got Jesus in front of us. Like, we, we got to tune in here. But then it says, as the men were leaving. So Elijah and Moses turn to leave. Watch what Peter does. Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And then parentheses, Luke, Dr. Luke goes, he did not know what he was saying. <laughs> I love the Gospels. If you read them carefully, these guys are just taking subtle jabs at each other like the, the whole way through, which is my love language. So I've always appreciated that. What did Peter just try to do? He tried to freeze the moment, didn't he? Wait, Moses, Elijah, you guys are leaving? No, 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 guys, stay here. I'll put together some shelters, right? I'll, I'll make sure that you guys are comfortable. We can just do church up on this mountain for the rest of our lives. Like, forget everybody down the mountain. They all got so much baggage, so much stuff going on. Let's, let's not go bother with all of them. We've got, like, the squad right here, us four and no more, right? Let, let's have some church up here. Let's do this thing. It's going to be amazing. And right in that moment, God comes in and interrupts Peter. I love this verse. It says, while he was speaking. So Peter's trying to explain. I'm going to build shelters. I'll go get my, my, my materials. I'll go get everything that, that we need. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. Peter is, is trying to get sentimental about a place. He's trying to freeze time. God comes in and interrupts Peter and goes, hey, it was never about a place. It was never about a space. It's about a person. It's my son, and he's standing right in front of you. Don't get so wrapped up in trying to stay on the mountain. Just follow Jesus. I love this story because we get to read it 2,000 years removed. So we know what happens next. Peter wants to stay up on the mountain. God taps him on the shoulder and says, hey, I know you want to stay up on the mountain, but within a year, there will be thousands of people gathered in Jerusalem, and you're going to stand up, and you're going to preach your heart out, and 3,000 of them are going to give their lives to Jesus in one day. Peter, I know you want to stay up on the mountain, but there's so much more to do. Don't get sentimental now. We got work to do. We got to go. Peter, I know you want to stay up on the mountain, but there's this man who's been unable to walk since birth. He stands, sits in front of the temple gates every day and begs, you're going to go to him and love him, look him in the eye, get to know him. Then you're going to pray for him. He's going to get healed. He's going to get his life back. Peter, I know you want to stay up on the mountain, but there's so much more to do. Peter, we got to go. Peter, I know you want to stay up on the mountain, but we are about to launch the greatest movement of love the world has ever seen. It's called the church, and I know you don't feel like a leader right now, but soon enough the Holy Spirit's going to empower you, and you're going to step up, and you're going to become a pillar of this movement, and we're going to take the gospel from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. Peter, I know you want to stay up on the mountain. We got too much work to do, man. We got to go. I, for one, 
am so thankful that Peter, James, and John didn't stay on the mountain. But they took what happened on the mountain with them and moved forward. Because here we are, 2,000 years later, on the other side of the world, and the same gospel message is still setting so many of us free. The transformative power of the gospel. It couldn't stay up on the mountain. It had to go. In fact, as they went, God continued to use men and women who were ready to be used by God, and the thing just kept spreading and spreading and spreading. Right? And although the, the history of the church is far from perfect and we've made a ton of mistakes, it's okay because we're just a bunch of imperfect people pursuing a perfect God. And it just kept going and going and going until about 17 years ago, uh, there was this guy named Sean in Rockford, Illinois. And Sean was comfortable. He had gotten married. They had just had their first kid. He finally had a salary. He was finally able to, to build a home. Everything was good. And then God tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, Sean... There are a bunch of lonely people in Denver who feel far from God and have, feel like they're so far gone that they're never going to get accepted in a church. I know you want to stay up on the mountain, but we got so much work to do. Would you go? And they went. They show up to Denver 15 years ago. Red Rocks begins person after person just keeps showing up and finding freedom and experiencing God and getting plugged in into family and discovering purpose and then turning around and going to lead, right? So much so that that four years ago, Red Rocks was in like a very comfortable place. And God taps Sean on the shoulder again, says, hey, I know you want to stay where we're at, but there's so much more. What if we multiplied this thing? What if we took a risk and we went and we planted a, a Red Rocks church somewhere else in the world? And right around that time, in fact, that very day, Doug and E and I were driving in Ethan's Jeep through the Rocky Mountains. And we were dreaming about one day planting a church. But if I'm honest, we were also really comfortable right where we were. Ethan was getting paid to lead mission trips all over the world. Doug was a part of a thriving young adult's ministry and I had an apartment on the beach and got to surf every day and if I'm being honest that's all I've ever wanted <laughs> and then God taps us on the shoulder and says hey there are a bunch of lonely people in Austin who feel far from God and feel like they're too far gone that they would never be accepted in any church I know you're comfortable right here but would you go and so we went so many of you have such similar stories in this room. So two years ago, we moved out here, and we just start doing, like, hangouts in random places and having field days and trying to figure out how you plant a church and just worshiping and praying. And then January 6, 2019, we launched this place, and person after person just keeps showing up over and over and over again. And then five months into our church plant on a rather chilly evening in Austin, Texas, this happened. From this point on, I'm drawing a line in the sand, and by no means am I going to be perfect from here on out. But from the moment I come up out of that water and I take that first breath until the moment I take my last breath this side of eternity, I am following Jesus. I, I am a new, and I want to be a vessel for him. No matter how far you get, no matter what happens in your life, no matter who hurts you or what happens, that, that you're going to be okay and God's still there for you. 
my story is still being written. I'm so excited to see just what, what's to come. I want to follow God and I don't want it to be like a religion thing. I want it to be like a relationship. And I knew that I needed to celebrate because the chains have fallen off. And I just want to be part of this kingdom and I'm all in. I'm all in! But I'm going to do it today and I'm going to do it here in Austin and I'm going to do it with people I love. Keep diving in. I'm all in and I just want to give everything I have. Love that moment. There are so many stories we, we could share right now. So many things have happened in the last year and a little bit. And uh, man, it's, it's incredible. It's amazing. It's emotional. It's sentimental. And yet here we are with a whole new chapter lying right ahead of us. And... The temptation is, well, we got a really good thing going right now. Let's just freeze it the way that it is. Let's just all hang out together and worship together, and, and it'll be fun. We can just stay on the mountain, God. But I just feel, and we've been feeling for a month now, like Jesus is tapping on us on the shoulder again, going, hey, I know it's been amazing. I know it, it's been beautiful, but there are so many people in this amazing city who feel far from God. So many people in this city who feel like they would never be welcomed in a church. Would you keep going? Would you keep getting uncomfortable? Would you keep building a front porch for prodigals in Austin and continue to help people experience God and find family and discover purpose and then turn around and go lead? Don't stay on the mountain. The thing that happened on the mountain never meant to stay on the mountain. We were meant to turn around and take that thing with us as we go. So, hey, listen, we will always have this space. You always get to drive past this space for, the, for decades to come. And when you do, just look at it and smile and remember the good old days and say a prayer of thanks. But let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's not let the past pull us back. Let's let the past propel us forward because I'm just believing that there are so many of those people in this city who feel far from God and some of them are going to make this year's baptism testimony video because they don't know it yet but God's about to do a profound work in their life because we're not going to stay on the mountain we're going to keep going we're going to keep loving we're going to keep preaching the gospel we're going to keep making space for people to experience God because our best days are ahead of us the good old days are still to come. I, for one, am so excited and honored to get to do it with my family. So if you guys stand with me, we're going to sing a couple songs. And as we do, I want to give you an invitation to do two things. The first thing is I want to give you some time and some space to be thankful. Thankful for everything that we've experienced here. Or even if this is your first time here, just for everything that God's been doing in your life. The power of gratitude, man, it changes things. So take some time in the next few songs to say thanks to God. But I also want to give you an opportunity to now turn and face forward with us. To make a, a, a mental shift or a soul shift where you go, hey, we're, we're going to honor the past by, by remembering everything that happened and facing forward to what God has in store for us. And here's how I want you to do that. I want all over this room for us just to start praying. 
You don't have to make it weird. You don't have to be out loud. Just to yourself, in your spirit, just start praying for the souls that haven't even, that don't even know yet that God's about to work in their life. To start praying for the people in this city who feel far from God, that God would call them home. And that they would see, like, like Luke 15 tells us, that, that God is a loving Father who is, is waiting on the horizon, ready to run to them and welcome them with open arms.